Peter, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you know who I'm doing. <laughs> Welcome to Vidra, please. Uh, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name's My name's Joseph. And uh, I'm Peter, and unfortunately, I just watched an episode of Voyager called Season 2, Episode 4, Elogium. <laughs> Didn't do much for your uh, your mood here on this Sunday that we're recording this? It ruined my fucking day, man. This was it. <laughs> if I was at 100% fun and happiness prior to this episode, I'd say I'm like riding 20% right now. So uh, if, if you're listening to this, and I hope you are... Um, Strap yourself in because we're going to kind of just dive into this. I think it's worth talking for my end about this and ex- describing the process by which we watched it because I think it conveys how painful it was. So Stevie and I sat down to watch this on Friday, get off work, get some dinner, you know, relax, watch Voyager so that we could be ready because we were recording over the weekend this time because we've been living some busy lives between the two of us. and. Usually when I watch these episodes, they're only 40, 45, you know, 44 to 45 minutes. You know, we bang, we bang through them pretty quick. I mean, there's some pausing so that, you know, we talk about things that are happening or I'm taking some notes. But usually we get it done probably within an hour. I'd say it took us two hours to watch this episode because our frequent stops, not to talk about the episode, but simply try and do something else. (laughs) Like even the bad episodes, like even the 37s captured our attention enough that we watched it like straight through without serious interruption. This was so absolutely painful. We'd stop after like 15 minutes and then like we'd wash the dishes, you know, like really clean up after dinner or something. It was a chore to watch. This was a terrible episode. And I felt like I was back in high school trying to dodge math homework, man. <laughs> and that's was. exactly what I said. Like, were you, were you just... Gee, you know, that bathtub really needs a good scrubbing I've been putting off. Why don't I go ahead and jump on that? The only real joy I think I took out of this was queuing up Netflix. And have you watched any of this? uh, They got their own little documentary series they're doing now, The Toys That Made Us. You familiar with it? I've seen it on Netflix. I I haven't heard uh, anything about it. It's good. I watched the first season. The He-Man and G.I. Joe episodes were real solid. Uh, the Star Wars stuff was good. It was actually, I'd say the Barbie one was the best because of the amount of like vampire politics that went into that. But they just got season two out and uh, one of the the full episodes they're given to Star Trek and as a big, big fan of the next gen Playmates stuff, uh, I'm looking forward to digging into that. And that's where my enjoyment in TV watching ended today because uh, <laughs> from there it was right into the episode. This this episode sucked out loud. This is this was I think you said it correct. It was a chore. It was a a painful requirement. If if I could have come up with any reason for us not to record a podcast about this so that I didn't have to finish the episode, uh I would have done it, but I'm too much of a completionist. Had I watched this episode before and we were circling back around to this and I knew what we were going to get into, I would have pleaded that we just skip this goddamn thing and watch an episode of transformers or i don't know trading spaces or america's next top model and have done a podcast for this episode (laughs) instead of what we just watched here's a random episode of top chef (laughs) like here you go and i don't think anybody who's watched this episode out in the audience would have blamed us all right let's say this right now and this is to our detriment 
in terms of listenership for our podcast, but I feel like I need to warn everyone. If for whatever reason, if the warning we have given you is not an, if you've not watched this yet, like if you're not like playing the home version, if you're like listening to the podcast, just hear our hot take and then sometimes going back and listening or something like that, I'm begging you not to watch this episode. Don't fucking do it. It is, it is dangerous to sentient life. Yeah, like it what is, you're saying, uh, 37s, which I pooped all over its mouth, It at least it was like so absurd that there was still some degree of fun. This just was was boring and bad and cringy. Um, it, was, it was the worst kind of bad. It was boring and painful to watch. It wasn't fun bad. It, it was, was just bad bad. It was bad bad. You know, it was... It was almost emotionally abusively bad, which <laughs> let's go ahead and start off right now. Neelix is emotionally abusive. Neelix is a bad person. He's a bad space cat. And he is in a very, I'm sorry, Kess is in a very unhealthy relationship with him. And had Kess not dragged me through 45 minutes of um, Ocompan space melodrama, baby mama drama, I would feel bad for Kess for being in this abusive relationship with Neelix. However, at this point, they are both guilty parties. Kess is no longer a good character to me because she just put me through this. Fuck both of these characters. Jennifer Lane certainly put in like maximum effort on playing, you know. I don't blame Jennifer Lane. I blame the character of Kess. Okay, so so let's start off. So the doors to turbo lift open up and Chakotay whose only juicy moments in life are lived in thresholds. <laughs> right. Is about, yeah. And I guess if we're going to jump back to the great episode, we just had uh last episode, you know, that was the threshold between life and death where he intercepted the doctor. And that's really what this all boils down to. Projections was such a great episode that Voyager could not let it stand. And that is why they're punishing us. We've paid, we're paying in blood for how good projections was right now. You might've thought the cost of projections was a 37. No, it's a logium. So the doors, of this turbo, the doors, of this turbo lift open up. There's two, uh, gold suitors in there making out, uh, I mean, the, those extras were going at it. Yeah. I mean, well, they, were, they were committed to that stage kiss. The guy looks like uh, Malibu Ken. And he pulls off and tries to, you know, explain some shit. And then Chakotay waves him off. Eventually, Kess and uh, Tom Paris show up with uh, two arms full of cabbage. And it brings up this conversation about uh, fraternization on the ship. And uh, they get up to the mess hall. They dump off this cabbage. And immediately that abusive space cat, Neelix, starts uh, giving Kess a hard time about the way that Tom Paris is looking at her and it's his uh, standard, I'm a jealous space cat bullshit. I mean, you know, Tom is definitely horning in on her, but Tom horns in on, you know, everything. Literally, like you could have poop on your head and we know Tom Paris will want to fuck you. So you think Tom's like intentionally going after this space child because before he was kind of playful, but since Neelix stepped on his dick during the... uh, the Kazon diplomacy situation a couple episodes back. Like now he's like, I'm going to teach Neelix what happens. You want to cramp my style? I'm about to cramp your style. I, I All I know is that Tom's a voyeur because he like disappointed. He didn't like catch people making out in a turbo lift. Mm-hmm. And he wants to nail that, 
you know, voyeurs like putting on public, which I, I guess we could say he is a voyeur, you know, judging by the fact he has dragged all of his friends into his J.O. dungeon. <laughs> it's true. I think I think he was disappointed about the makeout session specifically just because he's a perv. But uh, but like you said, Neelix, you know, snarf snarfs like the worst boyfriend ever. He's abusive and incredibly jealous and he's a complete tool and he's he's just the fucking worst. He's the worst through 90% of this episode. The scene wraps with him like basically telling Kes to go fuck off because he, she has the temerity to be, you know, attractive to Tom Paris. It's just it's just awful. The only part of this scene that I really got anything entertainment value out was more unsafe food handling. These guys are just getting into the food that they're making for the crew. Not a drop of water on those hands in sight. And I believe at one point, like Neelix even like eats some of the cabbage and then spits it back. Into the, well, the there's, a bug, there's like a bug on it. And Neelix is like, I wonder if the captain would think if there's bug on her, on, on her salad. Like, dude, you're a, you're a filthy space cat. You're handling like unsafe products on the regular products so unsafe they poison the ship and nearly kill everyone and you think that the captain's gonna freak out because there's a like a little beetle in her shit oh uh, he's just on. that 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 aggressive space salmonella you gave her two weeks ago is probably far worse yeah he's i think he's just being a petulant little bitch because uh again he's got the jealous thing going there we've got two storylines that are going to develop here one is kess's problems and then the other is yet another needless uh, space dilemma that Voyager willingly flew into. I think there's a lot of recaps. I don't not recap. They just, they discuss the same points over and over between multiple people throughout this. I think we could probably recap this entire episode in four sentences. And the fact they were able to drag an entire episode out of it is a big part of why it was a bad episode. So on the bridge, uh, in in typical Starfleet fashion, they discover something weird and decide to go fly into it. There's an interesting piece of dialogue, like one of the few things that I was like, I took note of when they did it. So before they run into their stupid space issue of the day, Janeway and Chakotay have a little talk about Chakotay finding the two uh, gold shirts you know, making out in the turbo lift. And Janeway points out that Starfleet has no rules about fucking. None. Apparently, you can fuck whoever you want in Starfleet. It's not like the actual military where there's a lot of hard and fast rules about relationships and sexual encounters and all that. Like, apparently Starfleet's very hands-off when it comes to if you want to get down with your coworkers. Were you under impression that that was not the case? I never heard it explicitly expressed in Star yeah, Trek. but I mean... I thought it was pretty clear that like Riker has put his D in, you know, 90% of the enterprise's crew. That wouldn't have been possible if there were franchisation issues would there. I mean, Jordy trying to date his subordinates all over the place. I've never heard like Starfleet has no regulations about that expressively said a and B. I think the most compelling episode I've ever seen about like the dangers of workplace romance in Star Trek was when the captain got a girlfriend. The uh, commander, oh gosh, oh I forget her name. She's played by she was played by a real Mrs. Robinson looking woman. She was like a science officer in stellar cartography or something. Do you remember that? 
This was a next gen episode. Yeah, yeah. What it was happens a later to her? next gen episode? Um, it's actually worth a rewatch. Unlike this episode, like if if you have still not watched a Logan yet, stop and find the episode where the captain gets a girlfriend in TNG. Watch that instead. I would say if there's a great reason not to date a coworker. It would have been when Chakotay was dating a fucking Cardassian spy who would go on to sabotage the ship and then run off with <laughs> Federation technology. Maybe that's why Chakotay wants to throw up the uh, force fields of cock blocking is because he's butthurt that uh, he got played like a fool. So they find space fish. In space vape. They, they say space vape. <laughs> I find these. They basically look like space fish uh, in this weird like magnetic space vapor they want to take a look because they're starfleet and they can't help but stick their fucking nose in everything they fucking find even if it has no bearing on their ability to get home i want to pose a question to you here before we jump into ensign wildman who in case all of the red lights flashing over your head uh you didn't notice is going to be a big deal oh yeah that's this is where she shows up yeah just in case you didn't know you know this is gonna be a person to remember not only does she get a name but like some pretty fair amount of dialogue all right, so uh, several times now, I mean, we've got Candy Corn Tragedy. There was the Space Baby Episode 1, this thing, mm-hmm. um, 37s. You know, a lot of times Voyager's going along, everything is fine. Voyager catches something on long-range sensors and decides to go the opposite direction away from Earth. How many times can the writers really pull this off until they hit a point where Voyager is going to find something that the results of whatever they're signed to. Oh, the goddamn uh, space spider asteroid. Another, you know, hey, let's go here and explore and, and get ourselves into some significant problems. What point is it going to pay off? And they're going to be like, hey, you know what? Uh, this dumb field trip we just took paid off pretty well. Not only do we have more energy out of the deal, but now we're moving a little faster or our genuine quality of life has been improved. Yeah. Like when are they finally going to give these guys a win out of this? <laughs> like, and I, I don't need I, them to hit like, Oh, Hey, here's a brand new space rock that lets us hit like warp 15. I just need like, you know what? That paid off. Good. Uh, our uniforms are now 20% more resistant to tearing or here has been something positive that has happened as a result of our curiosity that justifies the next 10 times we fall into a fucking trap and suffer. I mean, this is the overall problem when you talk about Star Trek writing, though, is that the tropes they fell into as a kind of on an institutional basis, and this show is just the absolute worst about it, is the the ship in a bottle. Like, you have to have a self-contained problem. And... So every time you they encounter a new thing, that's got to be the problem, right? So they're not thinking of that. They're not thinking about the, oh, we're painting this picture that every time these guys hang their ass over the edge, it gets bit. So probably going to stop at some point. You know, they don't they don't offer that justification because they're not thinking of it at all. They, they just don't consider it necessary. It's disappointing. And I, I mean, I can I can eat these stupid episode premises if every now and then they catch a break and something good comes out of the deal instead of, wow, we barely made it out of that one. I would like uh, to engage with you on a a potential way forward through the rest of this episode, because I'm looking at my notes and I'm dreading having to hash out every single detail in this. Would you, would you be okay with me sort of just 
summarizing things so that we can talk about anything more interesting, like anything. Do you think, do, do you want to live up to my challenge and see if you can outline this entire thing in four sentences? Okay. Yes. Yes. I think that's an excellent challenge. I'm going to give it the first try. You ready? Okay. All right. Kess goes into space heat. Because. Fish, because of the fish. Let me, let me give it a try here, buddy. <laughs> let me give it a try. All right. The more complete you All are, right. the less we have to talk about this. I'm, I'm biting my nails. I'm, I'm rooting for you All hard right. here, man. I'll quit cheating. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All okay. right. Kess goes into space heat. The fish are all fucking and want to fuck the ship. Snarf Snarf and Kess don't end up having a baby. Samantha Wildman is pregnant. That's it. That's four sentences. I think I covered it all. That was more interesting this episode, actually. That's a good job. <laughs> it's... Move over, Bran Bran. Oh, there's a new Voyager writer in town. So... I, this was episode was so bad. I like looked into it. First of all, obvious to you, to me, I'm sure it was obvious to you. This is a season one holdover. Not only did they end up using the crappy old style tricorder, they're not crappy tricorders. They're just old. Those tricorders got a place in my heart. Samantha Wildman being pregnant, which is like revealed at the very end. Remember, they're in space for like six months, so it's it seems very weird that she wouldn't know she's pregnant, especially since they later explain that. her her husband is this race that matures very quickly, a Kataran. And so uh, she probably would have known a lot before then. So clearly this was supposed to happen at some point in the first season relatively early on. Um, and then two, uh, this was peak 90s TV in the sense that almost all the dialogue is this long form meditation on if you should or shouldn't have kids and you know, are you ready for fatherhood or motherhood, depending on who's having the conversation? Because really the central drama is if if Snarf Snarf and, and Child Bride are going to make a half space cat, half mayfly elf baby, which just sounds terrifying. It's it's not like it's not Star Trek like this. This belonged on fucking Dawson's Creek. That's this is the dialogue that belongs on like a like a, a soapy 90s TV show. Let's push it back even further than that if we're going to talk about where this belonged. Um, the most shocking thing in this episode to me is that Neelix and Kess, who come on board as a couple, have separate quarters. So you've got so many open rooms around the the ship that you're giving stow not stowaways, but you know, a mayfly and a space cat separate quarters when i'm pretty sure the lower decks are like hot bunking that's very generous uh and i would be super pissed off if i was enlisted starfleet and i'm in there sharing a bed with some maquis scumbag terrorist you guys fished out of the trash meanwhile uh space cat has his own room and his child girlfriend is eating all of the food on the ship where is she pulling all these mash so part of her um it's a it's her puberty episode, really, uh, is that she just starts eating weird stuff. She's eating bugs. She's eating four bowls of mashed potatoes with dirt mixed in. They run in. The, you know, you know, I can't let the, the replicator stuff go. Yeah, it's she just true. Yeah. Okay. Privileges. I mean, obviously they do. Imagine everyone on the ship has replicator privileges and she's kicking in. She's a nurse. She's doing the hydroponics like she's got jobs like it's not like she's freeloading she's more useful than fucking neelix 
who's all yeah. he's done is poison the ship and feed people chili they don't want. Yeah. Like so as she's eating weird stuff and getting inexplicably sick, all I can think in my head is like she is a space dog and she is just eating space grass to try and throw up whatever space sickness she has. But after she effectively uh force fields her way into the doctor's own office, like how is this civilian pulling in security systems that uh the the fucking doctor can't override i've i mean among a million mistakes in this episode i mean it, it had me pining for the days we were like reflected on the fact that neelix wasn't in episodes i was mm-hmm. like halfway through that was an actual note i wrote down i was like goddamn remember when this guy wasn't in actual episodes wasn't that great i wrote i spent time to write that down it's like during one of the many breaks we took so that I could like wash my fucking hair before I had to go back and finish this garbage. It's 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 supposed it's trying to be heavy, but instead it's boring. Uh, it it's tries to like go deep on this like societal question like Star Trek sometimes does, but instead comes off as preachy and stupid and heavy handed. And honestly, going through the notes, the only interesting character point that happened at all was that we find out Tuvok had four kids. And you know, he's talked about that before. He's talked about he had a family, but this is the first time he's gotten into depth. Like, I had four kids, three sons, one daughter. And he talks about his kids in a very Vulcan way that I could buy. Like, the way that he would act, that he would process his appreciation for his family. Like, that's it. And that, that exchange is the only part of this episode that, like, had my attention. Everything else, I was playing with my phone. I was asking my wife how her day was. I was, I was doing, doing Google else. searches trying to find out if there's a way to fast forward in Netflix the way that there is in YouTube so I could just watch this thing faster. Uh, again, this is a season one episode and it should, I guess, kind of be viewed in that respect. But it just seemed mind boggling to me that they've been out in space for six months. And this is the first time that uh, Chakotay and Janeway are going to sit down and have a real conversation about uh, what's it going to take to get home and do they need to start breeding replacement crew members? You know, that should have been like week two conversation. Funny you bring that up. Uh, this The complaint of the producers was this one got held back and it was, it was really weird that it got held back because of the, the timing of those conversations. So I this this angered me so much I went and looked into like the production of it and the writing mm-hmm. of it, first of all, with some for hire guys who wrote this. Yeah. Um, the the only part about the writing of it that seemed interesting was that Samantha Wildman was named after a person organ who, donor or an organ donor of the writer who saved his wife's life. So that's that's nice. But um, the you know, the the production notes on it being held back were basically they didn't feel they actually tried to correct the continuity of it five years later. Like there's a there's a line of dialogue in a seven and a seventh season episode to try and explain why it is Samantha Wildman didn't know she was pregnant for six months. Do they also so, correct what happens to caretaker syphilis? Because that's what I'm more interested in. Oh come on, they called that one out for you last week. Uh, yeah, but you they know? didn't say I they actually fixed it. I think I think that, I think we have to give them that one back. Like that was a funny joke. The conversation about the children. All right, let, so let's say this did get kicked back into season one. You know, would this have aired before or after the 37s, you think? Because I say that this one ties, If let, let's call need to reproduce. If your A story is 
Voyager decided to fly into another space organism and get itself stuck and can't just shoot its way out because Janeway's a big pussy. If that's your A story, your B story is Kess wants to have a baby. Uh, the C story is going to be the child dilemma. And I think that would tie in strongly with the 37s because now you have this opportunity to bring new genetic material on the ship and, you know, people who want to have a life that, that includes children and not living the remainder of your life and potentially dying of old age on a starship, uh, a real good chance for interplay. And I think maybe puts uh, some more gravity into the conundrum that which they botched in exploring in 37s as to, you know, do you stop with good enough or do you really try and go all the way home? Right. You know, the version of the 37s we wish they had done versus the one they actually did. But to your point, um, according to the production notes, the, the producers wanted to end season one on this, which that talk about dodging a bullet. And I can't believe I'm saying that in, in uh, reference to the learning curve somehow being better. But it clearly is. Uh, space friendship might be magic, but it's definitely better than this. Um as far as like the overall conversation, it's, I, I imagine like if you were to, to try and do this the right way, that would be a difficult thing to have up front when you're you're kind of pinning your hopes on finding a shortcut home. Like that feels like a conversation that might not actually come up until a little later on as people settle into the reality. But for that first six months, I'd buy be like, OK, maybe we'll find a wormhole. Maybe we'll find this other caretaker or whatever, and we'll get back home, right? Because they have probably have reason to believe that they won't necessarily be out there for long. And therefore, a conversation about, do we have to have rules about, you know, fucking? Do we have to have, have rules about having kids? Do we have to make sure we've got kids because we've got to train a new generation of crew? That might not happen until you've done this for a year and you're starting to realize, I maybe we got to do this the long way. Bullshit. Home. When you got Tom Paris on your crew and this guy is chomping <laughs> at the bit to drag his dick through anything that moves and all the slut shaming on the Delaney sisters. And I mean, crew fraternization, I would say, is upfront for at least a third of the episodes that we've watched so far. Yeah, I, I think they should have had this conversation earlier, and I think it should have been explored more in the 37s if you were to try and pull the 37s out of the trash. This episode in the 37s would have been incredibly well served by focusing on these questions in a way that's relevant to the story. But come on, man. You can't make Tom thir Tom Paris's thirsty ass like your pilot fish for if you're going to have this conversation or not. That man fucks. <laughs> he fucks anything he can. So if anything, that's like not – not a good sign that we need to treat this seriously. I want to point out that while Chakotay and uh, Janeway are having the, the in-depth discussion on this, Chakotay's eating soup. Yeah. yeah the they, soup they, fetish rears its head again. They take a break in the middle of their space conundrum, getting all fucked with by space fish to have a little like lunch confab talking about if they needed to, to raise like children to run the ship. Whatever. I mean – Every, every this episode checked every box of just bad. Uh, the performances were bad. the The characters they focused on were the worst. What do you think of Kess's snot hands? Part of her, uh, I don't know, uh, the fuck is it? Her her uh, puberty thing is that her hands start oozing snot. Yeah, so they could be bound for six days. I just think preposterous. The, uh... Yeah, six days. Their mating cycle is what, 
a sixteenth of her entire lifespan. <laughs> yeah, it's a serious commitment when you only live to be like what ten or whatever. Is it ten uh, or six? No, I think in the episode, Kess says they usually don't have them the this go down until they're six. So, uh, it, but I think their lifespan—I forget ten or twelve. It's, I'm so dispirited. I'm not even going to bother to look it up. Another good. Uh, background line that got tossed in was that the Voyager Maquis sting mission was only supposed to be three weeks. Yeah. And that cottons to what we understood about what they were equipped to do. They've, they've said in the past, well, Hey, we don't have a, a counselor cause it was supposed to be a short duration mission. Um, you know, we're not, we weren't equipped to be out in deep space. We were equipped on a bounty hunt. Regardless if that was a good idea or not, given the configuration of the ship, that was clearly what they were asked to go do. Um, you know, do you, whatever. So, it's, we are really grasping at straws. We're trying to find just the barest threads of interesting shit that happened in this 44. The Neelix Kess drama. Kess is like, uh, we get one shot at having a baby. I want to have a baby. Neelix gives a little bit of pushback like, uh, you know, I didn't think I was going to be a dad this morning. Um, and you're kind of hit me with this fast and his hesitation makes her push harder about like, no, I want a baby. Are you in or out? Uh, and then finally, once, you know, Neelix comes back and says, yes, she's made the decision that, Hey, you know, by the way, I don't want to have a baby after all. And he gets a little butthurt about it, but there's this, uh, concern at first, like, Oh, you've missed your window to conceive. Now we're never going to have a child. And, and that's, you know, making me sad and she says well you know the doctor says he thinks that space vape out there might have just been a false flag and uh i might have my legitimate shot here down the road and he looks gets all excited but really let's let's try to give this a shred of i don't know actual discussion here you're talking about having a a baby with a woman who is for sure going to be dead within eight years so you're condemning yourself to a life of single parenting for a child that might have a lifespan of maybe 20 years. You're talking about surviving both your wife and your kid here. That's that's a pretty depressing path to go down. Believe it or not, probably one of the best episodes on the show explores that very question. If I can brighten your day at all, it is that down the road, there is a, a, an episode that specifically explores this very question as it relates to Kess and family and, you know, out, the outpacing, outliving, quote unquote. Um, so th- they do go down these roads later and it is they do so more effectively when it comes to Kess and her lifespan and what that means to the people around her. Well, to brighten the day for Neelix... I mean, his worst case scenario, if that was her one chance to conceive and it didn't happen, well, just wait six years, dude, and you're going to be single again. So (laughs) plenty of childbearing opportunities, you know, so it's a big pond out there. Hey, to till death do us part means something very different for him. Yeah. The only other really thing I have to talk about in this episode is the resolution for the A plot, which is Voyager has been sucked into a school of magic space fish that eat through pores in their outer skin. They eat space dust and really it's a big mating pond and there's like a big space whale floating around. That's just 
slamming itself into Voyager repeatedly. The the failure of leadership here is so astounding. You've endangered Voyager. The first time when she flew into like space baby cloud, going it was for after a purpose, uh, right? Yeah, it was for to to boost the ship. Yeah, and they you know lost a bunch of energy or whatever. But you know, this they flew in. They didn't mean to get as close. They got sucked in. I thought Torres was nothing but real talk the whole episode. She's like, look, for all we knew, for all we know. We just got pulled into a trap and these things are leeching our energy and this big one's just like openly assaulting us. If the hand phasers have like a range of settings, couldn't the inner, the, the Voyager has just like stunned the big one away and then flew off instead of playing this game, which culminates in, I don't know. I, I get that there's a lot of testosterone from time to time in uh, Star Trek and maybe they're trying to make a point to be as unkirk as possible about this but when <laughs> chakotay finally comes up with a solution to the dilemma is like instead of just shoving our way out of here like what if we literally just roll over on our belly and like piss ourselves and limp away and janeway's like yeah let's try that and it works and chakotay basically reveals himself to be like the king of submissives i mean the, the oh god this episode's this episode was very I can't put it this any other way. This episode was very female. I'm not sure if it was trying to appeal to the other, you know, this this mysterious other demographic that they think is watching Star Trek um, of, you know, people who watch Lifetime movies. I don't know how, how else to put this. It, it, it was very much an episode. A Hallmark that, Network you know, Hall, special. Hallmark Network special, like. This is what this was, and that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, I'm not saying women don't watch Star Trek. They obviously do. And I don't mind them taking a softer edge. In fact, I, it's kind of a welcome change of pace on occasion. Uh, but uh, this is just not – this was just incompatible. The people who would like this aren't watching this show. I see your point that, like, it, it, the the way it ended there with Chicote was kind of emblematic of the whole thing. That's all I really wanted to say. Go ahead. I can see why Ronald Moore walked out of this writer's room. Yeah, I can too. Coming off at DS9 and then like walking into the fourth or fifth season of this with this kind of thing on the ground, like, ugh. Um, shifting away from the episode, because I'm done talking about it. It's fucking garbage. If you've listened to this podcast up to this point and... I apologize that it, you've had to share our pain with us. Skip this episode of Voyager. Do not rewatch it. I would... I would say it's worth rewatching time and again in the 37s only because they are so bad and it is interesting to dissect them about how bad they are. Um, this is the first one I'd say just do not do this to yourself. Just just don't watch this. It's, it's fucking sucks. Just realize there's this blue shirt named Samantha Wildman who's pregnant. That's all you got to fucking know. I got an email from, from uh, uh, one of our fans, Jack. You've seen Jack on uh, on the Facebook group, right? Yeah. Well, Jack, let me know some critical information about your second favorite topic on the show. Your friend replicators. Mine. No, Cardassian hallway. Oh, yeah. Do he tell. Did, he did some research for us. He linked me uh, a a piece of a YouTube video that that informed me that. We have been wrong to call it Cardassian Hallway the whole time. It's actually a reuse 
of a hallway from Star Trek V. No. This is a, yes, this is a reuse of the of the Enterprise A set from Star Trek V. So this is not a Cardassian hallway. This is a TOS movie hallway. I don't believe that. Dude, I'm going to link it to the Facebook so you're telling page. Me, you're telling me that they tore down every Enterprise bridge like the day after the final uh, filming shoot. And somehow a portion of Star Trek V extra background Enterprise set has survived how many years for this? Well, it would have 20, only 20 plus. It would have Star Trek five, I think, was made in 1990, I want to say. So it would have only have been five years. And they reuse those movie sets on TNG several times. I want to say they also use them on DS9. So it does not shock me that they would be reusing uh, hallway sets on Voyager. Not at all. Paramount is you know using all parts of the Buffalo, all the Star Trek Buffalo. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah, that's not a Cardassian hallway. That is a TOS movie hallway. Is your mind blown? Am I blown your mind? Yeah, and and I have to say I miss it even more now. Yeah, Doctor Jack, thank you so much for uh, letting us know that. I, I I held on to that. I didn't tell I didn't tell Peter just so we could get this this fresh and raw reaction for everybody. So uh, I'll spot be doing on. That. Yeah. Uh. Any other I, good email out there from uh, the fans? Well, while we've been recording, actually, um, Chris, one of the, the the folks that we've kind of picked up as part of our adventure into uh, to 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 Voyager, you know, someone we don't know, to somebody who's become a fan, uh, he posted to the group and he said the following: "I just wanted to be known that mornings where I get up and see new episode Voyager, please, on my phone, are my." favorite kind of mornings you know the the commute to work is going to be a good one smiley face emoji chris i'm fucking sorry that this is going to happen to you on thursday you're gonna hear you're gonna you're gonna be excited you're gonna see that fucking notification on your phone and you're gonna come bounding out like yeah i'm gonna have an hour's entertainment on the way to work and you're gonna fire this one up to two really angry grouchy mid-30s bummed out not- bumped out telling you not to watch this episode uh not being able to get even 30 minutes of content out of it i i feel bad we're letting you down man and uh i i would i would direct your anger towards the producers and let them know that 25 years ago they made some fucking terrible choices (laughs) oh that's it though man like uh i guess i'll throw out a thank you i think some people were sharing the podcast we saw some uh some new people take on uh downloading the whole back catalog the last couple weeks so uh appreciate it, as always people throwing out the the love and, and links and, and letting people know about us and uh absolutely and uh, we haven't talked about it in a while but we do have a facebook we got two facebook uh things out there we got our main page where we try and keep things I don't know, official like, and then there's the Viger Please Trauma Support Group, where it's uh, a lot of community interaction and, uh, you know, listener on listener, uh, heavy meme rotation. So check that out. Uh, some kindred spirits out there. Big thank you again to anybody who has spread our name around the internet and uh, brought other people into listening to this. Um, go ahead and let them know if you're getting people to catch up on the back catalog that this is the episode to skip. 
And, uh, you know, if they're, <laughs> if they're hard up in a pinch, don't make season two, episode four of, uh, of V'ger, please, their introduction to the series. Otherwise, they might just come out and want to shoot themselves in the head as bad as I do after having had to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, it's more painful for us. Like, oh, I, I, I. I I imagine at least listening to us be angry and suffer is marginally more entertaining than having to have watched this episode and then try and think of what you're going to say about it. What was our uh, our prediction for this episode for the worst people to focus on? Uh, Harry remember? Kim was our joint. I was our joint guest. It was Harry Kim and he's barely in it. I never. I didn't have any memory of this, and I did not consider like a Kess snarf snarf like goddamn lifetime movie as what would happen i just i was too smart man he knew to duck this one out coming up from here we got a season two episode five non sequitur sequitur yeah harry kim wakes up in san francisco having never been assigned to voyager which starfleet considers lost joe what do you remember about this i remember it very well i remember it very well indeed Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, uh, thumbs down, huh? I don't know uh, if I can do two of these back to back, Joe. This is killing me. Dude, dude, I will say this unqualified from what I remember. And I remember this episode relatively well. It's definitely better than a low gem. <laughs> like nothing. Not I don't a high th- bar. <laughs> not a high you, bar. You're saying not a high bar. I mean, I would give my left nut right now for more of Carr and uh, Batman 89 Bob Kazon character. I, I think this is going to be the new hood ornament on the terror bad mobile that is Voyager. This is I, this is easily the worst I think we've watched. Uh, that's no doubter. No doubter. Even the most miserable I was was watching time and again. And that was infinitely more entertaining than this because of baffling production decisions and Janeway getting clocked in the face yeah. and them shooting at cheap as shit at that goddamn water treatment plant. And like everything that was going on in that episode, the fact that it ended on a wet fart, like everything about that episode was so bafflingly stupid. It was entertaining for that. And that was the worst prior. It gave you something to yell at the TV about uh, this it one did. was just like. Man, is there a fast forward button on Netflix? What the it fuck? It took two fucking hours for us to watch this. Because right, well, we would rather have done anything else. And that's all the best I can say about it. Well, then I'll look forward to uh, this next episode. Although it's a little disappointing to hear that they're, they're swinging low on this one too. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, given the fact that Kess ultimately decides that she does not want to go forward with the childbirth and would rather instead to focus on her own personal development. I'm going to give you the uh, Ferengi rule of acquisition. Number six, never allow family to stand in the way of opportunity. I feel like you shouldn't have wasted one. I feel like you should have just said, I feel like I shouldn't have wasted 45 minutes of my life watching this goddamn thing, but at least I didn't make you do it on your birthday, bro. I'd have killed you. All right, on that note. I, I've already uh, wished I'm, I'm a witch and I'm able to hex very well if that surgery on your neck taught you <laughs> nothing. Oh, all right. Well, if I suddenly feel like another tumor growing, I'm going to know it's fucking you. No, you're um, going to know that it was a logium rearing. It's how you, you're going you're gonna to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have a uh, sticky, gooey, yellow substance over your hands and it's not going to be spooge. 
It's going to be some more <laughs> Voyager cancer. Oh, my name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Thank you for watching Major Please, two defeated and upset nerds who watched the worst episode of science fiction of all time. We'll see you next next week. <laughs>